I'm thankful to be serving the Lord today. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. There's, there's no more important place to be on a Sunday than right here with God's people. Amen. That's, that's, what the first day, that's what they did in the Bible on the first day of the week. The church came together. And so that's what we're doing here today. I'm glad that you're here. Amen. So if you, you can tell, if you have a sheet, I don't think I have a sheet, but uh, you got an extra one? I don't really need it. I just have one to hold it and look at it. <laughs> As you can tell, today we are talking about being born of water. We are start, we've started a series a couple weeks ago called You Must Be Born Again, and Brother Jones kicked it off a couple weeks ago talking about dead or alive, and then last week we talked about repentance. Today we're talking about being born of water, which of course is water baptism. So let's read a couple of these verses and then we'll move forward here. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. You think we can read this together? Yeah, who said that? So I don't, I don't want this just to be Derek reading this, this paper, all right? Sister Wallace. Let's, let's read John. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right, let's read together. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Very good. You guys did wonderful there. <laughs> hey, we might as well have a little fun today, huh? <laughs> Thank you for reading that. So we're talking about born of water, born water baptism. So how many people here, when you were baptized, was baptized not in a baptistry? traditional baptistry. One, two. Is it what, Tammy? The first time? Yeah, that's right. I baptized you in Carson Creek. So where where were you baptized? In a river, pond, lake, bathtub? What? Cold? Did I say a pond? A pond? Sister Wallace, where, did, where were you baptized? Water tank, like a like a trough. Okay. Anybody else baptized in a non-traditional baptistry? I, uh, I remember when I was baptized, January of 1986. It was cold, but it was a baptistry, but it wasn't a heated baptistry. And uh, my brother and I, my twin brother and I, we had been seeking for the Holy Ghost, and we were praying at the altar. I think it was probably a Sunday night. And uh, we had been praying, I don't know, for several weeks for the Holy Ghost. And Brother William or somebody said, you guys want to get baptized? And so both my twin and I, we, we hadn't anticipated. We didn't come to church to get baptized, but we got baptized that service. And it was cold. So, uh, yeah, I remember that. And 
remember baptizing Ian Miller a few years ago across the street, and it was uh, it was the last Sunday of the year, was it whatever December or something, twenty something, but we had snow that night before, so we didn't have a, a morning service, but we had a PM service that day, and Ian came and power of the Lord moved, and uh, I remember there was. I think it was Jimmy. Jimmy T spoke out in tongues in that service, and what Ian heard was, get baptized now. I wasn't anticipating a baptismal. We had water in the tank, but it was not heated, and it was cold. You know, we had snow, and so uh, and Ian got down in that water, and you could tell that it wasn't the Spirit of the Lord that went over him. Took his breath away, but baptized him in Jesus' name. The cold water works too. <laughs> Amen. So, anybody else want to share when you got baptized? <laughs> I remember when I baptized Keith. Keith probably remembers it too. Um, I went to lay him back, and I don't know if he he lifted up off that seat or what, but. He went backwards, and so when I laid him back, I actually cracked his head on the back of that, that baptism. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't it wasn't violent or anything. It was just, <laughs> let's talk about this here. <laughs> Mark sixteen fifteen says, "Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." I'll be saved. He that believes not shall be judged. We believe in baptism, don't we? One of the, one of the most famous preachers back during the awakenings. The awakenings were spiritual revivals in America in the 1700s. Was a man named George Whitefield. He was he was a preacher that followed John Calvin, which simply meant he believed like a, what a lot of Southern Baptists believe today. Southern Baptists do not believe in free choice. They believe that once saved, always saved. But George Whitefield, he kind of followed the teachings of John Calvin, but he, he learned a lot from the Wesleys, the Wesley brothers, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, who were the leaders of the Methodist movement. But Whitefield, they said when he started preaching in the American colonies, um, People just flocked to hear him preach. And you kind of had to understand the spiritual nature that was going on in America. I mean, people were, many people had left England to find a place to worship God and uh, get out from under the, the rule of uh, the king and the throne over there. So people had a hunger to worship God. But here comes George Whitefield preaching. And they said the crowds were so large that the, the churches he was preaching in could no longer hold all the people, so they started holding these outdoor services. And so everywhere he would go, George Whitefield preached, there were people everywhere. And one article I read from said that the crowds, they elbowed and shoved and trampled over themselves to hear of divine things that the, from the famed Whitefield. But his main thing, they said in his preaching, I'm not here to promote George Whitefield necessarily, but simply something he said. His main theme in what he preached was the necessity of the new birth. 
he preached the new birth, or his at least his thoughts on the new birth, that people needed to be converted. And he would later write a, a letter to Benjamin Franklin, and he said, I find that you grow more and more famous in the learned world. Everybody remembers Benjamin Franklin, his pictures on a $100 bill. Um, he said, as you have made such progress in investigating the mysteries of electricity, I now urge you, humbly urge you to give diligent heed to the mystery of the new birth. It is the most important and interesting study when mastered will richly pay you for your pains. I humbly urge you to give diligent heed to the mystery of the new birth. Amen. And I think if there's a message that I could tell our city would be know the new birth. If there's a message I could preach to our city, it's the new birth message. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the new birth message is being born again. People need to be born again. Amen. People need to know they need to be born again. You know what I I kind of feel like now is that a lot of people don't even recognize their need to change. They they don't even recognize their need to be born again. That everybody's a Christian. Everybody's, you know, everybody is going to heaven. And and um, more and more churches nowadays, I'm not saying division is good, but more and more churches now are just kind of becoming this, this coagulated mass. And um, it's kind of like it doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you say you believe in Jesus. But Jesus said, not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter in. But he that doeth the will of my Father. You have to do more than just say, I believe in Jesus. You have to be born again. And so people who are born again, they experience this new birth that Jesus explained to Nicodemus. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse number 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us. The word begotten just simply means to be born of. To be, he has begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I looked that up in the New International Version, and it says, In his great mercy he has given us new birth. He's given us new birth. Amen. So we have been born again by his mercy. So why do we need to be born again? What's what's the importance of being born again? Well, the, the reason we need to be born again is because we've all been born into sin. We Psalm 51 5 that's on your sheet there. David, when he is repenting, David makes this statement in Psalm 51. You can see it on the screen also. Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He was born that way. He was shapen in iniquity. In sin, he said, did my mother conceive me. And then Romans 5 and 12. Romans 5, 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So basically what it means is 
because of Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden, sin was passed on to all of humanity. Every person born in this world has a curse that's been upon them. It's the curse of sin. We're born that way. We're born with this nature of sin. And I, I, I saw a picture not too long ago. It was a, the inside of a piano, an old piano. And it was, it was old, broken down piano. And I think they call those hammers, those things that you, when you touch the keys, when you hit the strike the key, is that what that's called? Somebody that knows the piano? Those hammers hit the strings and it produces a certain tone, certain sound. Well, inside this piano was, it was broken down. The hammers were broken. The strings were, several strings were gone. I'm sure it wasn't in tune. But on the inside, it was all messed up. And I thought, well, that, that's kind of like people. When people are born, they are messed up on the inside. And they're like, they're like an old broken down piano. And when God restores us when we are born again, it's like God restores what's on the inside. And he fixes the hammers and he puts new strings in there and he tunes everything and he makes it so that when the, when the keys are struck on that piano, it makes a new sound makes a music. God restores us. This, this is why we have to be born again, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 and 3 says that we are by nature, by nature the children of wrath. So the reason that, that you and I, we gravitate towards certain activities, the reason that we are pulled towards certain thought patterns is because it comes naturally to us. You don't have to tell a little child um, certain things. They're just, sometimes little children, they, they misbehave just because it's part of who they are. It's part of their nature. And there, there, is, a, there is a sinful nature that we are born with that was passed down from Adam, this plague of sin. It affects every person. Nobody's exempt from it. Everybody is a sinner. And so because we were born this way, the only remedy is to be reborn. This is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. The, the only remedy for being born in sin is to be born again. And when the Bible talks about being born again, it's talking about being born from above. Our first birth was an earthly birth. It was a natural birth. It was born of the flesh. But we have to be born again. We now need to be born of a heavenly birth, being born, um, begotten by God. So I want you to, um, if you have your Bible, you can open it with me. I'm going to go back to John chapter 3 for a minute. And some of those verses are on your page. But I just, I want to look at these for just a moment. I, I feel strongly today that it's important that we that we grab hold of baptism. Because so many people are gravitating away from truth. So many people are like, it doesn't matter what you believe, where you go to church, what you hold on to, as long as you say you believe in Jesus. But I feel strongly that that it's important that we that we grab a hold of this message of baptism. And that we teach our children it's important to be baptized. Because if we don't teach the next generation, they're just going to accept what everybody else is saying. They're going to accept what they're reading on social media. And I'll tell you, social media theology is a poor place to get theology. 
It's a poor place to learn or to, to find out what you believe. You have to go back to the book. Amen? Go, what does the book say? So we go back to the truth. We go back to God's word. And so Jesus addresses Nicodemus here in John chapter 3. And it said in verse number 2 that he came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, and no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so that's when Jesus said in verse number 3, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not sure what kind of response Nicodemus was expecting from Jesus when, when he approaches Jesus at night. Remember, Nicodemus is a religious man. He is a Pharisee. He is educated in the law. He knows the Old Testament scriptures. And he approaches Jesus at night, didn't want people to know that he was talking to this rabbi. And um, whatever, you know, whatever kind of response Nicodemus was expecting, I'm not sure. But Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly. One, one version that I looked at said, uh, it's kind of a paraphrase, it said, timeless truth I am telling you. Nicodemus, I'm telling you a timeless truth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see. That word literally means, and I've got a note there on your sheet, it means to, to perceive or to discern. To perceive or to discern, namely by the eye of the mind. Uh, one commentator said, the man who is not regenerated or born again of water and spirit is not in a capacity of perceiving the reign of God. It's perceiving, it's understanding. So here's what Jesus is saying, is that when you are born again, you start seeing things, you start understanding things in a different light, a different understanding. God begins to open your eyes to see things in a different light. We perceive things differently. To be born again sets us on a new course, a new destination. We have a new outlook, a new perception of things. Things become clearer after we are born again. Amen. So he says there in verse number four, Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was saying, and so Jesus expounds, and he says in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What Jesus is doing is he's expounding on what it means to be born again. This is so important, my friend, so important, that, that a person is born of water and of the Spirit. That's what it means to be born again. Being born again doesn't mean walking up to an altar and repeating a prayer that a preacher is saying from the pulpit. Am I right? That is not being, that, that's not being born from above. That's just simply repeating a prayer that a preacher is leading you in. There's nothing wrong with a preacher leading somebody in prayer, but it, it doesn't constitute salvation. Jesus said to be born again is to be born of the water and of the Spirit. So this is vital. This is important. Amen. So he he expounds on them and explains what it means to be born of uh, born again. Verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. And so here's what I would say. I say a miracle takes place when somebody's born again. Amen. Things change for them. Connie, things have changed for you. You've been born of the water. You've, you've, you've set a new course, direction in your life. Amen. And Jesus was telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to be remade. You need to have that old broken down piano restored so that you can make some beautiful music out of your life. Amen. And so since birth is the mode that a person enters into the natural world, the rebirth is the mode that we enter into the spiritual world. We talk about this as a heavenly birth. In fact, if you have your Bible open, if you can see it, verse number 12, and Brother Good, I apologize if I didn't get all these verses put in back there. But verse number 12 of John 3 said, Jesus said, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? There is a contrast between what's going on on the earth and what's going on in heaven. We don't need to just be born of the earth, on earth, but we need to be born of heavenly things. He raises us up and we sit together in heavenly places. Praise the Lord. So we have been born again. It equips us to now live in a new kingdom. We talked about that on Wednesday night, about we now live in a different kingdom. We, we live differently, don't we? Praise the Lord. We don't, we're not what we used to be. We live differently. Amen. If, if, if somebody says that they've been born again, but they don't ever change, have they truly been born again? If they're still living that same old life, if they're still thinking the same old thought patterns, if they're still caught up in the same lifestyle, that's why we need to be born again so we can be transformed. Amen. So a man is born again, transferred to a new kingdom, amen, and now living for the Lord. So to be born of water here, number three now, born of water, <clears throat> it means to literally, baptism comes from the Greek word bapto, bapto or baptizo, and it literally means to dip. It means to immerse the processes of immersion, submersion, or emergence. And so, so if you're talking about baptism, the literal meaning of what it means to be baptized, it means to put somebody under the water. It's a burial. Baptism is a burial. Tradition, church tradition came along, and for whatever reason, I don't know the, all the history of it, but they started taking water, and they started sprinkling it on infants. And they started sprinkling it on people and calling that baptism. I don't find any place in the Bible where anybody was sprinkled with water. No place. They, it, now, the Bible talks about people being sprinkled by the blood or sprinkled by blood in the Old Testament, or maybe not people, but they sprinkle blood in their, in their sacrifices in the, in the tabernacle and the temple. But every person that was baptized... We read about them, they were in water. Um, so being born of water here is speaking of water baptism. Um, Acts 2.38, we don't have to look that up. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. 
every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So it was in the name of Jesus. Acts 2.41. Brother Good, did I put Acts 2.41 in there? In there? Look, look at this scripture here. After Peter preaches on, at Pentecost, he tells them, Repent, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word, they were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse number 12. Acts chapter 8, verse number 12. This is when Philip goes to Samaria. And I'm not trying to rush through these, but I know that most of these scriptures, a lot of you have heard them time and time again. If you have any questions when we're done, I'll be happy to answer any questions, do my best to answer any questions if I know the answer. But look at Acts chapter 8, verse number 12. This is the New Testament church. The church is coming into existence. And Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches to them and it says, But when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What was happening in the early church, when they heard the preaching, they were baptized. When they believed the preacher, they were baptized. Amen. It wasn't, and I, I don't, I, I'm not even going to say that, but baptism was vital. Baptism was important. And when they believed it, in fact, like we read in, in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's amazing how many times believing is connected to baptism in Scripture. Um, also, Acts chapter not use this microphone in a long time and I wasn't sure on the battery life. Acts chapter 9 tells the story of Saul who became Paul. Paul was baptized in Acts chapter 10 verses 47 and 48. Peter is preaching in Caesarea at Cornelius's house and they receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 47 he said, can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them. Somebody say commanded. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. We could read throughout the book of Acts, chapter 16, chapter 18, chapter 19. There are multiple examples of people being baptized, believers, people who are following the scripture, the teaching, the preaching. They are baptism. And what I'm trying to get to here, what I'm trying to say is that water baptism, it was the activity. It was normal activity in the New Testament church. When people believed the preaching, they were baptized. And it should be the same today. People still need to be baptized. People need more than just a, more than just to say a prayer. If people truly repent, and people that are baptized, they need to repent. Because repentance is where we die. But baptism is where we are buried. That is, our, that is the bearing of our past. We are, we are going under the water. Nobody's ever baptized, or excuse me, nobody's ever buried when you sprinkle dirt on them, right? But when they're buried, they're under the ground. So when people are baptized, they go under the water. Amen. Immersion, immersion was the mode. Um, John 3.23 Brother Good, help me out if I put that in there. 
If I didn't, that's okay. I'll just tell you what it says. John 3.23 is when John the Baptist was approached by Jesus. And it talks about John the Baptist who was, thank you, brother. Look at this. John was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. They particularly went to a place where there was water. If sprinkling was all they did, then they could have just gotten a bowl or a cup of water and sprinkled them with water. But they baptized in a place where there was much water. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip baptized an Ethiopian eunuch, it says they went down into the water. They went down into the water, and they baptized him. So I've I've touched on some things here about baptism, that baptism is, is in the name of Jesus. Every person that was baptized in the Bible, they were baptized in the name. Nobody in the Scripture, nobody in the Scripture was ever baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You say, well, why did Jesus say that in Matthew 28, 19? Why did Jesus say go and make disciples or go and teach, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? Well, I think the answer is obvious because he said baptize them in the name, in the name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. There is a no other name. Um, Colossians 2.9 says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name. Do it all in the name. Amen. Every person that was baptized in the scripture, they were baptized in the name. We don't have the prerogative. We do not have the right to to open our Bible and start changing processes and changing doctrine and changing teaching. If they did it in the scripture, that's the way we need to follow. That's that's our example. That's the way we need to do it. We don't have to be mean and crude and and you know be obnoxious about preaching the truth, but neither do we need to compromise and step back and say, well, just, how do you, Connie, how do you want to get baptized? I didn't ask Connie how she wanted to get baptized. I just baptized her in the name of Jesus because that's the way they did it in the scripture. And so every person, every person in the Bible, they were baptized in Jesus' name because that is the saving name. And so I've, I've, I've made similar statements like this before, but if I ever lose my head and you get another pastor, you make sure your pastor preaches and teaches in the name of Jesus Christ. That baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't just say, well, I, I want to go where everybody else is going. I want to go, go where the crowd's going. Don't, don't sit under a pastor. Don't, sit under, don't go to a church where, where they just teach and preach, believe whatever. Believe the truth. Hold to what the Bible says. The scripture's plain, and I don't have the references right written down, but I think it's in the last chapter of the book of Revelation where it says, don't add or take away from the words of this book. And the person who adds and takes away from the words of, of this book, the plagues that are written in it would be added to them, I think is the way that scripture says. So we're not, we're not trying to change the scripture 
We're not trying to write our own. We're not, we're not trying to make things more convenient. We're just simply trying to follow what the word of the Lord tells us to do. And baptism is for the remission of sins. You believe that today? It is for the remission of sins. I believe that. Amen. That baptism, I, I, don't, I don't know where the word originated years ago, but I remember as a kid, people would, I would hear Brother Whalen teaching this, but people would say baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. And please do not misunderstand. I'm not criticizing other groups, but Baptist people have been saying things like that for years. It's an outward sign of an inward grace. It's not part of your salvation. But you you get back in this book, and nowhere in the Bible does it say that baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. Nowhere in the Bible. But what the Bible does say is that baptism is for the remission of sins. That's what Peter said in Acts 2.38. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, what a lot of people have done is they have taken that word for, and they have twisted it, and they said, well, for means because of the Greek word E-I-S, however it is pronounced, they said that word sometimes means because of. And they say, well, you, you get baptized because your sins have been remitted or because your sins have been forgiven. But that's not the context of that scripture, and that's not what that scripture is teaching. That scripture is not teaching us to be baptized because our sins have been forgiven. That, the, the flow of that scripture and the context of that scripture says repent and be baptized so your sins can be remitted. That's essentially what it's saying. So don't don't twist the scripture to your own destruction. Don't try to change the scripture to make it believe what you want it to believe. But the scripture is plain. In fact, Acts twenty two sixteen. if I put that in there, Brother Good, if you'll put Acts twenty two sixteen in there up on the screen. But this is talking about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus and who, of course, became the Apostle Paul. And he's recounting his testimony. And um, whenever... Saul approached, or excuse me, Ananias approached Saul. He said, Ananias, why tarriest now? Why, and now, there it is on the screen, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It is for the washing. It is for the cleansing. You say, Brother Hanson, why are you so adamant about that? Because the book is adamant about it. The book, that's what, that's what the scripture teaches us. It's for the washing away of our sins. I don't get rid of my sins just because I think them gone. But Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. Amen. He, he's the one who sacrificed so I can have his blood applied to my life. Amen. Through repentance, through water baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm, gonna t- I'm just going to tell you here as I get close to being done. We have to, we have to push back against against false teaching, a false doctrine. Again, we don't need to be ugly. We don't need to be obnoxious about it. But we do need to draw a line and say, you know what? That's what the scripture teaches us. Amen. I've talked about Mark McCullough, one of the pastors down at the church just down the road. I've talked about Mark. Mark actually spoke here on Wednesday night. I had another conversation with him a couple of days ago. He stopped by. We we talked about the name of Jesus again. And it's so refreshing. he's, He's so sincere and so genuine in his belief and and he said it's you know we started talking in fact i knew i was teaching this lesson and i had a i had a hastings bible dictionary it's like a five volume thing out 
and I showed it to Mark. I said, look at, look at this, and I had some places marked in that. And it talked about how that the um, teaching of baptism in Jesus' name was changed to the Trinitarian formula uh, in latter years. And, and, and so we had this great conversation about, about baptism in Jesus' name. And he said, he said Derek, I, 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 always, I always say, in the name of Jesus, and he gets excited. He says, you've got to say the name. You know, he, said, he said, I get frustrated when I hear other people praying, and they're praying, and all they, they end their prayer with, and in the name. In, in that name, and then he said, they never say the name of Jesus. He said, but you got to say the name. you got to say that. you got to invoke the name. <laughs> it's in Jesus' name. Neither is there salvation in it. That is the name by, by which we can be saved. Praise the Lord. And so when somebody is baptized in Jesus' name, it's like taking a clean sheet of paper. This is not a clean sheet of paper, but it's like taking a clean sheet of paper. And every sin, every Every wrongdoing, every transgression, iniquity, rebellion, it's like wiped clean. And we start brand new, and it erases every guilt, every shame. Praise the Lord. And so that's why the Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Amen. Amen. If, if there's anybody here, I don't know, if there's anybody here that has never been baptized in Jesus' name, here's what I would tell you to do. Go back to the scripture. Read the book of Acts. Read it first. If you have questions, I'll, I'll do my best to answer any questions. But if you have questions, read it. And, and see how they did it in the scripture. And if you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, you let me know. Amen. I, don't, I, don't, I think I said this the other day in one of our services. I don't get to make people repent. People, If people repent, they have to repent on their own. If people get the Holy Ghost, that's a work of God. But the part that I get to often be a part of in salvation experience for people is I get to baptize people. Amen. And I'll tell you, you may not may not have ever done this, but but you, every one of us here that is a child of God, you can baptize people. You can go make a disciple. And you can baptize um, Jody Shulin that used to come to church here, Becky's sister. Jody was baptized in her bathtub by Melissa Brock, their cousin. Melissa lived in Nebraska, and Jody saw her need to be baptized. And Melissa, if I, I may not get that story all right, but I believe Melissa came down for a trip to see Jody and their family. And Melissa or somebody baptized her in the bathtub, I think is what I remember. Any person here, if you are a believer, you can baptize other people that are believers who are coming into the church. You have that, ob that, that authority, if I can say it that way. It doesn't have to be the man with the microphone. It can be other believers who can baptize. Amen. My time is up. Next, next chance you get, look up Song 202 in this book. Song 202, it's called The Waterway. And I don't, I don't ever re really remember singing that song as a kid in our church where we always sung three hymns, four hymns, and uh, every service, three songs, and then another one during the offering. But the waterway, like I said, I, I don't remember singing that song as a, as a young person, but um, the course, I somehow learned it somewhere along the way, okay, somewhere along time. There shall be light in the evening time. Help me out, Brother Jones. <laughs> All your sins and the Holy Ghost will enter.
the evening time has come. Tis a fact that God and Christ are one. Beautiful truth in the Word of God, my friend. Beautiful truth in this Word. Um, this is not the Word of God. This is a songbook. Beautiful truth in the Word of God. And uh, it's important to sing about it, too. Important to sing about it. Amen. Why don't we stand together? God bless you this morning. Why don't we thank the Lord for truth today? Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for the word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you, Lord, for the change you made in each one of us. And help us, Lord, to be faithful to your word, to never stray to the right or the left. God, put a love, a renewed zeal in us, O God, for that which is true and that which saves us. Bless this church, I pray. Strengthen us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let's take a short intermission here, break, and uh, 